Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences. And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences. Now let's make it kick-ass together. Hey everyone, welcome back to today's episode of Make It Kick Ass. We are so excited to have Emily Thompson joining us today. Emily Thompson is the co-founder and host of Being Boss, a resource community and podcast for creative entrepreneurs. The podcast has over 12 million downloads, maybe even more now. I don't, it, you know, you never know. They just keep going. Uh, <laughs> but on top of that, she is the founder and CEO of Almanac Supply Company, a retail brand in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I don't know how to say it with, properly with a Southern accent, uh, <laughs> but uh, a retail brand that makes and curates products that help people connect with nature. Um, I met Emily at Podcast Movement in uh, Las Vegas earlier this year after I was a longtime listener of the podcast and happened to like grab her with a question after a session and we became fast friends. Emily, welcome to Make It Kick-Ass. We're happy to have you here. Thank you for having me, Isaac and Nessa. I am very excited about this chat. Um, and speaking of chat, it is Chattanooga. We do say the T's, which is always a funny thing hearing people Chattanooga. say Chattanooga without say without saying the T's. We say them. So good job the first time. All right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Obviously, I've never been there, nor am I from there. <laughs> No, we do say things quite slowly here. Um, but I'm very excited about this chat for sure. Um, yeah, let's dive in. Awesome. Well, what we want to start with is, well, your community of uh, being boss, you've took that community from being online and you brought it into uh, the real world by hosting in-person events. So we want to know a little bit more about how that came about and what that process was like for you. Yeah, I mean, we started, okay, I'm going to say we a lot. And I say this because whenever I started being boss, I started it with a co-host. So it was me and myself, Kathleen. So it is a very real we and not a weird we, um, mm -hmm. whenever I say that. So we started being boss in 2015 as a way to just share our experiences of being online creative business owners with the world because we found our own conversations that we'd been having for years together to be so helpful. We had met in the blogging world back when blogging was a big thing. We met in, you know, comments and just sort of hit up a nice little friendship where we were meeting on Skype back in the day, at least once a month or so to sort of talk about business together between the two of us. And we decided to start the podcast as a way to sort of share those conversations with others because we thought that if we were finding them useful, then other people would find them useful as well. And we started this in a time when no one was talking to creative entrepreneurs, right? There were not business blogs that were really, you know, creating this sort of environment, especially of content where they're sharing how to like get clients and grow your brand and even to some level do social media marketing. Like we were very early in that space. And so we started this show. 
as a way to share those conversations and hoping that our people and by our people, I mean, I was running a web design agency where I was working with creative entrepreneurs and she was partnering with her sister on a branding agency where they were doing branding for creative entrepreneurs. So we were already working with our people and we wanted to give them just sort of a little bit of extra support, um, a little bit of extra insight and like just this, this feeling of you're not in this alone, which is something that creative entrepreneurs or, or on online entrepreneurs, small business owners feel often. And so we started the show in 2015 and very quickly found ourselves feeling like we wanted to get to know our listeners more. A lot of them were clients that we had worked with for years. And so we had been on Skype at that point back in the day, sort of meeting with people face to face, but online. And we were amassing a bit of a, a larger audience. And we were like, we're cool people. Our clients are cool people. Creative entrepreneurs are cool people. What would it look like if we were to like all get together and do something fun together? So it was like a, it was a very natural and a very fast evolution that was really rooted in this idea of let's just meet each other offline. Um, what would that look like? What would we do if we did it? And Kathleen and I had this idea that we wanted to do a vacation, the two of us. We wanted to travel together. We were living in different states at the time and had only been together in person a couple of times. We wanted to get together, do something together. And we were like, what would it look like if we were just to, you know, invite our audience? <laughs> to come on this quote unquote vacation with us. And this was a couple months after starting the podcast, maybe four or five months. We hosted the vacation about 10 months after starting the show. And that's really where it all started. So it was really from a place of, we want to meet the people that we already have been building relationships with. They were our clients. We would love the opportunity to meet the kinds of people who are engaging in our, in our podcast content. So people who are on Instagram or Twitter or in our newsletter, who are listening to the show and sending us feedback. Um, and it looks like us going on vacation together. We went to new Orleans and it was a great time. So it was a very natural evolution of we're online we should go offline. It was a very fast evolution. It happened over the course of just a couple of months. And this wasn't in the time where that was the tactic, right? Like no one was telling us that the next step of this thing is to take it offline or to do this next thing. We were just sort of trusting our gut and doing the thing. And we did it. And it began what really was the beginning of the business model that was Being Boss, because Being Boss started as just a passion project that the two of us were doing as sort of a marketing arm for our individual um, sort of creative agencies. And at that point, Being Boss started making its own money for real. And it turned into a company where a portion of its revenue every year was events where we were getting our audience together, um, building this community in these sort of real life settings. And we loved it. We absolutely loved doing it. That's amazing, especially since at the time you were doing that, like, you're right, like now I think there's more of a, a, a tactic, like I know there are podcasters that do tours, right, and they sell tickets mm -hmm. to their tours, there's even like podcast uh, groups that they do uh, cruises and stuff, like that's a thing now, but at the time you were doing that, like it really was, like nobody was doing that, that's amazing. Yeah. No one. I mean, so few people had a podcast at that point. It was 2015. This is the time when everyone was listening to Serial and Invisibilia. Like that was that <laughs> yeah. era of podcasts, right? Like that's the only podcast really anyone knew of. And 
but everyone was listening to them. So it was that era. And um, at the time, we were also the only two, we were the only like podcast that was two women in business in the top charts. Like it was like some very early days of podcasting. And so, yeah, it was before anyone was doing those sorts of things. We were doing live podcasts. We did a live podcast at that first vacation. Uh, We were probably some of the first people who, who were doing that. So we just very intuitively ended up doing this thing that has become the tactic for growing an audience. Um, I don't think we like, you know, intentionally like pave the way or anything, but there is something to be said about this process for doing it. If we were doing it without thinking about the strategy of it, and now everyone recognizes that that's the strategy of it. I think that's, that's some powerful stuff. And I'm glad that we were able to do it in the time that we did it with the people that we were doing, doing it with. I, it's some of the best things I've ever done in business for sure. And what about like, can you tell me about the first, those first people that participated in those first events? Like why? Because obviously, like you decided to give it a shot, but not knowing like, are people going to show up? So those people that did like, what, how did they receive that? What was the kind of feedback you were getting from them? Oh, they loved it. Uh, They loved it. Um, We loved it. And it was it was some of those clients that we had known for years and had just never had the opportunity to meet in person. So there was like a core group of those folks. But there were also people that we had never met before. We had never like talked to. They had never really replied. They just wanted to come meet up with people who were like minded. I think I think the the small creative business um, sort of audience or market is sort of primed for that kind of interaction. They Mm -hmm. are working alone. They're, you know, tired and by themselves and just want to go have fun with people who get them. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and so we, we were working in an audience that was already primed for that kind of thing. And they just showed up ready to sort of meet each other and engage and talk about business because they couldn't talk about business with their partners or their friends. I remember one boss in particular from that trip, Um, had just had her second or third baby. This was her first trip. And she spent her whole time other than like the, the organized things like in her room sleeping. Like that was like her getaway for herself. That was a business write-off. And I loved that for her. Right. So a lot of people, (laughs) right. A lot of people came with sort of their own agendas like that, but really they were there to, to meet each other. Many of them had been friends on Instagram. Like they had met in our comments or whatever, and they were sort of building their own little relationship. And so there were like these pockets of people, too, who were coming to meet each other. Like they had all signed up together to come to this thing together to finally meet in person, you know, for themselves for the first time as a part also of this larger group. So they were just our people. They were like us in so many ways. And they just wanted to get out from behind the screen and get together and talk about business and have fun in a place that was inspiring Um, and folks really loved it many of them came back to vacations again and again we've had we have a couple of people who have been to every single event we've ever hosted wow. like there are nice. that, there's that core group of people as well yeah. when you really get to doing it and you really tap into what it is that people really want out of these kinds of things they'll go anywhere you ask <laughs> yeah um so i'm curious having started doing events very organically, right? Um, And kind of stemming from this isolated creative business owner mindset and wanting to collect people together. You host this first vacation. What were the big, uh, 
what were the big lessons you learned? Like there was clearly little to no strategy involved other than we're going on a vacation. Do y'all want to come? Um, um, how did that, what did you learn from that and how did that inform the other events that you hosted or, or what you did with the podcast going forward? Sure. Um, learned so many things in that first event. <laughs> that first event was a, you know, I'm going to call it like a two day situation. I think there was an evening cocktail hour. I'm trying to remember exactly what that first one was. There was an evening cocktail hour first night. I think we bought everyone two drinks or something like that. Mm -hmm. That one also might have been Dutch. I know later we ended up doing drink tickets. We did a um, an open bar once. Never do that was a lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> right there, let me tell you, do not recommend. Um, it was some like lonely need to get out more <laughs> online business. <laughs> that was a hoot. Um, so we did a cocktail hour first night. Um, next day, I believe, was a live podcast recording and like a quote unquote masterclass where we just sort of guided them through some sort of exercise. Mm -hmm. We did dinner, I think, that night. And by that, I think we just organized sort of I think it was like 10 top tables at a couple of restaurants. We did it mm -hmm. in New Orleans. So we got in touch with a couple of restaurants and did 10 tops um, in those. And I think everyone went Dutch for that, if I'm not mistaken. But maybe actually we did pay for that. I don't remember. And then um, we did a ghost tour. So we arranged a ghost tour in the city. And going somewhere like New Orleans, that one was a, was really big for us. We learned very much so. A city like that sells itself yeah. in a lot of ways. Like People just want to go, and they'll kind of take any excuse they, they can to get there. We also learned some lessons in that in itself. It's called the Big Easy for a reason. It's not a very easy place to host events, for sure. Yes. We had really big problems with the um, with the hotel for that one. We had bosses, because we call her audience bosses. Uh, we had bosses come to check in, and the hotel had given their rooms away. Oh, my because God. Because the Saints were staying that night, and they needed the rooms, which was quite a hot mess. So we had bosses sleeping on the couches of other bosses' rooms that first night, which was just like a wild and incredibly angering situation, but also kind of literally nothing we could have done about it. Mm -hmm. um, so learned a lesson not to work with that hotel chain ever again. <laughs> right. So like fun little things like that. We also we learned in that first one as well. We had intentionally gone. Um, what's it called? Uh, like content light. Like we mm -hmm. really, or programming light. We wanted it to feel like a vacation. We wanted people to have plenty of time to wander the city and do their own things. But bosses really wanted more and they really wanted some facilitated conversation time. Um, a lot of online business owners are, owners are introverts. I thought it was just me, but apparently it's, it was a little more rampant than I thought. And so they needed um, a little bit more help sort of finding their people and getting conversation struck, which... And all of those things took us into the next couple of vacations that we did. We ended up doing um, more facilitated roundtable discussions. We did um, similar dinners because everyone really loved that. We kept the live podcast recording. Um, we made it very intentional to do more like culture-related culture things when we were all getting together, no matter where we were, because that mm -hmm. was really important to me, um, but also to the attendees. So... There was lots of things that we learned along the way. And in terms of, you know, how that really played into the podcast, I, I honest, honestly don't think that there was anything that really changed in how it was we were podcasting. It really just continued. It helped us 
find more meaning and really understand the impact that we were having in the show. So not so much changing the strategy, but was just like a fire under our asses to keep doing it because when you're when you are podcasting you're also sitting here alone maybe with a co-host or a guest right not really understanding the impact that you're having until you're sitting in a room with bosses or sitting at a table or or your audience they're my bosses (laughs) it's your audience when you're sitting at a table with your audience having those conversations um or listening to them talk to each other or whatever it may be. That's the moment when you understand your impact and it fuels you to keep doing the thing. I, I think that's really key is like the events really do give you the ability to validate what the rest of the content that you're putting out there or the business that or the community that you're building. It in a lot of ways, especially with the vacations where you had a fairly small group of these people gathered together, they serve kind of as a focus group, right? Like not, not in a very structured way, but like you can really pull a lot of anecdotal qualitative information about what their needs are, what their goals are and how you can better serve those in the future. I think that's great. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, when you and I first met uh, earlier this year, uh, we bonded over <laughs> how we actually define community, and community is a major focus of this season of the podcast. Uh, so I'd love to just hear for you. I mean, we we are have kind of gone on this tirade about you know your community is is not an audience it, a community is something different what what does true community mean to you in the context of what you built with being boss and what you see other people building in a in a more sustainable way yeah or real just real way or real yeah <laughs> right um yes it, we bonded specifically over i think we had both been in a couple of sessions where we had heard people talking about quote unquote community mm-hmm. and aspects of what they were really talking about was their audience, right? Like if you were a podcaster or, or anything, if you are putting out any kind of content into the, you know, internets, um, then you are talking to an audience, it's a one way street. And that is, that is your audience. That's not your community. A community is where you are fostering connections between them, not just them with you or you with them, right? It's like a, it's actually, I guess that is kind of a two way street community becomes like a infinite way street, right? (laughs) Where it's completely open for everyone to connect with each other. And I think, or that misdefinition is, I think one of the most toxic things of the internet. (laughs) That's a lie. There are so many more toxic things (laughs) of the internet, (laughs) but in our space that not recognizing what true community is, I think does a disservice to all kinds of things that we're trying to do. And so for me, it really is about opening the doors and allowing people to connect with each other and me not being the gatekeeper to their connections, right? So, you know, if you have, if you have a Patreon or if you are just, you know, in even to some extent in Instagram comments or like wherever it is that you're sort of facilitating quote unquote community online, that's really just you engaging with your audience and vice versa. And sure, maybe they're connecting and maybe they're going into, you know, DMs on their own or whatever. And that community is sort of happening that's happening outside of what you're doing you're Mm -hmm. not really fostering that that's how instagram is fostering that right Mm -hmm. but whenever you do something like 
open up a genuine community space online or do events like this where you're getting everyone together and you're giving them free time to connect with each other. You're not standing on the stage just talking at them the entire time, right? But you're facilitating these these moments where they can be sitting at dinner or, you know, doing a ghost tour or hanging out on a yacht because we've done that before. Like you, you're creating these moments where you're allowing people to connect with each other. That's when you're fostering community and then it grows outside of yourself. And and that's a point that is scary, is terrifying, actually, to think about how your community is going to grow once it sort of leaves your hand. That's also where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And so I think true community is organic. It's not super contrived or controlled in any way. Like, you can't control it. That's kind of the beauty of it, as well as the terrifying part of it. It is about opening up their connections to to talk to each other and do things together and it really to have literally nothing to do with you. Um, it's more about the ethos that you have brought to the table, right? Them connecting under that ethos and them going and doing whatever it is that they want to do, regardless of who you are or what you're doing. Um, and that, it goes against the ego drive <laughs> of so many like online folks who are trying to quote unquote build community, but it is the thing you have to put behind in order to truly grow community and it morphs and grows in a way that is both beautiful and out of your control and creates incredible incredible impact for them outside of anything that you could facilitate on your own what i'm hearing you say with that and correct me if i'm wrong but what i'm hearing you say with that is more like the 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 social media and the events are are more the tools than the actual thing, right? Absolutely. Like, like so then related to that, then what what does do events versus the online aspect? What do each of these allow you to do that the other doesn't? Like what what why events for some things versus uh, online for other things? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a big question. <laughs> 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 a really but but a good one and i think i think it's important to think about i was reflecting on this a little bit before we got on the call i think one of the reasons why it was so easy for me to step into online is because i'm of an age where i didn't grow up on the internet in the way that I think people do now. Um, you know, I was on the internet at, you know, 14, 15, 16, but mm -hmm. it was a very different world back then. Um, so I remember, I remember what it's like to sort of build connections in that way. And I remember like why it's so important, but I also am very much so ingrained in the online world. I also know how that works. I was thinking one day, I think all of my friends I met online, even my, even my partner, even though we went to school together, our first conversations happened on AOL Instant Messenger. Mm. You know, like... <laughs> oh. So, like, I'm also very much so part of the online world. But, so I, I understand the difference, though, between the two and the power of both of them. I think online sort of, you know, breaks all boundaries of geography, which is incredibly important when, when mm -hmm. trying to find your people. Um, Kathleen and I, when we started the podcast, we were living hundreds of miles apart. Uh, we could not have done it without the Internet. Um, and I'm friends with people all over the world. I have met bosses online and offline later who have lived all over the world. I could never do that if I was just trying to build community in the offline space. So for me, it is a great first step. I, it could also be a second step, but I also think it's a great first step for, for connecting, for getting it started, and also for having a bit more 
quote unquote control and um, what is like parameters and structure, mm -hmm, I guess, mm -hmm. for building the community, sharing your ethos, um, finding your people. I think it's a very powerful tool for that. Offline goes deeper, which is why I think it's a great second step. It could be the first step, <laughs> but I think it makes a really great second step after online because it helps you take those connections that you've made on the internet and take them incredibly deeper, right? You're doing this through shared experiences. I have special connections with people who I danced on that yacht with in, my, in Miami, right? Or that I stomped through the streets of New Orleans in a parade in a mm -hmm. whole ass glitter jumpsuit, right? <laughs> <Nice>. like, <laughs> like, like those moments are going to be carried throughout not only my life, but all of our lives. We will always have those experiences together. What, are we going to remember that one time that Elon took over Twitter online? Like, that's not yeah, quite right. the same thing, <laughs> right? Whenever you're sharing those online experiences um, or visiting places together or having those real-world conversations, you can, like, sit in people's aura, right? You can, you can hear their true inflections. You can see their 3D body in its fullness, <laughs> There is there right. is some really great things that come offline that you cannot accomplish or it happens offline that you cannot accomplish online. And so I think pairing the two of them are incredibly important. But I also think you're really right. They're just tools. They're tools that allow you to make the connections one way or the other. And, you know, it's funny. I do have a funny little story of how this even didn't even work in. Well, maybe it did work in our favor in their long run. But I had a friend that I had met online. We were co-working together, you know, and for a couple of years, and we finally decided to go to a conference together, and we stayed in a room together, and we actually realized we didn't like each other very much. Like, once we were, like, <laughs> in the room together, like, ooh, wow. like, I have co-worked with you almost every day for, like, three years, and now that we're in the same room together, like, this actually isn't vibing, right? And wow. that is much less frequent, but it just sort of illustrates this difference between being offline with someone mm -hmm. and being online with someone. It is a different connection. And I think when you can be cool in both, right, when you can connect mm -hmm. truly in both, that's when real relationships happen. And not just me with my audience, but between them as well. I have watched people get together and start start their own masterminds together that have gone on for years, start mm -hmm. business, um, businesses together, because I'll never forget the, the pair that met in the elevator at our book launch party in New York City who emailed us a year later and they had started a business together because they met in the elevator. If they had just been like passing on Instagram comments, probably wouldn't have happened. But right. because they had that shared moment together in physical space, it equated to something way more real. And I love that. Do you think that it's harder to like, you know, we talk, especially in the Instagram world about this kind of projection of perfection and, you know, aesthetic whatnot. Do you think it's actually harder to project that kind of stuff in person? It's harder to be inauthentic as a human when you're in person with someone else? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking of a couple of assholes that I've met along the way 
<laughs> that like online, cool enough, in person, I could really not with you. Um, for sure, you can absolutely polish things up, edit things up, say what you want, like, and not show the sort of, or not show any other side that you don't mm-hmm. want to show. But, you know, if you're in person, let's see how everyone reacts whenever the hotel gives your room away. Yeah. Right. I mean, or when yeah. you're hangry because that walk went longer than everyone thought and mm-hmm. you need to get some food. And so, yes, absolutely. You can really see a true person so much more so in person than you can online, hands down. That's the whole reason that trolls exist online and don't mm-hmm. really exist yeah. in person, right? Because yeah. we see right through them. I, um, I, I will say that I, I am very glad um, that Nessa and I, after having worked together online only for what did we decide six years, finally yeah, met six. in person last year and we didn't hate each other. And you're both still here. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank God. Imagine if like we met, we were like, oh, no. Right. It is the true test. It is the true test. And I will say I did share like all the awful people that I've met along the way because I have. And it's it's funny, the people that that people will pay and just like worship in some spheres and in person. No, thank you. But I've also met more people who in person really are like are better than what they portray online like they're truer they're more joyful you can really feel it in a way that you can't really feel online so it goes both ways it's not just you can be more awful but you can really also be truly better in person in a way that people are missing out on if you always keep it offline that's true. Uh, so our, our bonding and uh, opinions about community <laughs> and insistence that community should be built correctly uh, led us to actually uh, pitch and uh, present a session at Podcast Movement in Denver in August um, about how to, well, we called it Community 201, beyond audience building. Um, and I think what, what uh, really stood out for me as we were prepping that session together, uh, both in hearing you share some of the same experiences that you shared with us today, uh, but in talking about how integral community is to the work that we do, um, what are some of the like biggest takeaways that came out of that process for you as you think about how other people, like it's one thing to think about how your community grew organically. It's a single example. Um, what are some takeaways that, that you think people should, should have as, as they listen to this and as they think about how they can build their community in a more real and authentic way going forward? Mm, Great question. The first thing that pops up is, is really this altruism, Right. Mm-hmm. Like this really wanting to build community for them, not for you. If you a bit, if you build an audience, you're doing that for yourself. And I love that. Like that is the game sure. and there's nothing wrong with that game. Go for it. But the moment your goal is to build community, you're doing it for them, not yourself. And I think that's really important to consider. And you will get benefits for sure, especially if yeah. you're doing it well, you know, all the things. But the community is really for them. And. And I think that's a, probably a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. But whenever Kathleen and I started it, like it, it really came from this altruistic place of if we've benefited so much from our own community between ourselves, and how can we replicate that for everyone else who needs it? 
and it became this big, beautiful thing. I don't know if you mentioned it, but um, in 2016, 2017, we shut down a Facebook group that had 27,000 people in it. Like we Mm. quickly grew a massive quote unquote community. And they were in that space sharing everything they knew with each other about how to start and run a business, who great printers were, who were, who they were getting for social media help, that course that they bought that wasn't worth it. Or like, like they were sharing everything they could Mm -hmm. with each other because it, it was mutual benefit for everyone involved. It was a really beautiful place, but then it was on Facebook and that's not generally a beautiful place. And we wanted our people to be more focused on their work. And we ended up growing into additional spaces from there. And so altruism, I think, is incredibly important and something that everyone should consider moving into it. And also just this letting go to some extent of what happens. And if you're building something like a membership community, you know, having boundaries and guidelines and all of those things is incredibly important. But also making sure that you're facilitating a time and place for everyone to really just connect with each other. I think is that's that's the important part. Um, And then. And then listening to them to some extent, I will say so. You can listen to your community a bit too much. Um, Mm -hmm. We've sort of tested this throughout, you know, the years of, you know, they say they want this thing and you build a thing and then, you know, no one really wants the thing or whatever. So there is like a, they're not, you are not there to simply serve them in that way. You still need to do your business and think about your audience and community, but not use them as like a, what they say goes sort of test group, I think is super important. And then um, what else have I learned along the way? You know, one of, I think if you do it right, I think if you, and you're, you're bringing great people around you, and I think the energy of the altruism as well is just going to naturally attract some really great people. These people will follow you anywhere. And not in like a weird culty way, but I also think sometimes they probably could. Yeah. <laughs> like I probably could have started a cult along the way. Um <laughs> But, you know, there are bosses that have gone on every trip that we've ever done. Like, they are just down to have a good time. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they want to meet everyone as well. Um, but also, as I have transitioned out of being boss, because I did record my last episode of Being Boss, and it went out in June of this year. Um, as I have made that transition out, like, they are, f- well, one, I'm still masterminding. So there's still, like, there still is a core community. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But then we're also like they're following me into Almanac. They're buying crystals and candles and client gifting. Like they're doing all of those things because when you have a community that is so invested in like a genuine way, like these people are my friends. Like I also want to make mm-hmm. that really clear as well. I, when I say quote unquote community, I mean my pals, like my my friends that I have like had dinner with and drinks when I'm traveling. These are the people that I'm messaging to see if we can meet up. Like there's lots of them and I love that. Um, but they'll follow you also as you go through your journey as well into the next thing. And I think like that's that's nurturing long-term relationships that I think on some level we've kind of forgotten how to do as people mm-hmm. living in the modern world, especially in America. Um, but if you do it well, these are relationships that are become incredibly important to you. All, most of my dearest friends are bosses that I have met along the way. One of my very best friends is someone who went on our second vacation and has been on every vacation since. And now we are literally texting Marco Poloing every single day. Um, these are the kinds of relationships that you build. But it does come from a truly altruistic place that supports what you do. But you're also supporting them and allowing them to support each other.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit GetEventLab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's GetEventLab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make It Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities. Thank you.